Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, my name is James Pywell and this is the 92 Podcast. I'm on a quest to speak to one fan from each of the 92 football teams that make up the Premier League, the Championship, League One and League Two. Each episode I'll shine the spotlight on a different club, talking to their fans, playing silly games and quizzes and learning what it's like to be a supporter of their team. In this episode, the focus is on League Two's Cambridge United. I'm really upset that we can't can't really be in the ground to watch it. We we was lucky that we got to see three games in December uh, at the Abbey, but we lost to it. A, a lot of it went on on kind of clearing old debt. Um, they, they refurbished the toilets, is, is what everyone remembers them for. You know, we, <laughs> yeah, we go, go to the toilet in nice stainless steel urinal now, rather than just kind of going in a, a hole in the floor. Now, as ever, I don't really know too much about Cambridge other than that they play in League Two, which is why I've enlisted the help of Owen from the Cambridge United podcast under the Abbey stand to help me out. Hello, Owen. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, James. Thanks for having me. How are you doing today? Uh, yeah, not not too bad. So it's a nice bright afternoon, which is good. Kind of put put me in a put me in a good mood. And yeah, we've got a, a game later later this afternoon, which uh, I'm looking forward to. Uh, hopefully, we'll uh, yeah continue our our recent fairly decent form. Yeah, so how long have you been a fan of Cambridge? The first game I went to was back in 1995, so what's that? must be getting on for, what, 26 years now? So Yeah, yeah, yeah a lot longer <laughs> than a lot longer than I thought when you think about it that way. So. Why Cambridge? Were you raised in Cambridge? Why Cambridge United? Um, I was raised just outside. I was raised about half an hour away. I, I guess around that age I would have been 12 or so and kind of starting to show an interest in, in, in football outside of just kind of watching watching internationals or, or watching it on Match of the Day. So um, my, my dad used to go in the 80s um, when, when he was a little bit younger. Uh, for, for a variety of reasons, just kind of stopped, stopped going over time once I was born. Um, I, I didn't really show a huge amount of interest in it until, until kind of I was yeah 11 12 years old so um, it, it was at that point he decided to take me along um, and Cambridge were uh, just about our, our closest team to where I grew up so uh, yeah that's that's why Cambridge I, I kind of regret it at times I kind of re- regret maybe not being a little bit <laughs> born a little bit closer to um, Man City or, or someone like that but um, yeah no it was yeah it was a good game the first game we went to um it was it was a 3-1 win against colchester and we, we had we had seats in our main stand and colchester had a player sent off right in front of us colchester were one, one of the local kind of rivals they, they were they, they were probably about 40 minutes from where, where i grew up so it could could quite easily have been colchester but yeah luckily cambridge won out yeah they, they had a player sent off right in front of us and the atmosphere was just absolutely electric in in that game and and from then on, I was just abs- absolutely hooked. Whether I would have been if you know if, if we'd have lost or, or if the result had gone the other way, yeah, I, I don't know. But from yeah, just from that moment, you know, from seeing the, the crowd kind of really really getting at the, at the player who'd been sent off, who was um, Pete, Peter Corley from Colchester. I don't know if anyone remembers him. I don't, I don't remember too much about him. But yeah, he got sent off right right in front of where we were sitting, and everyone was going mad at him. It was it was brilliant, and yeah, the goals were were fantastic as well. Um, uh, one of the goal scorers, I believe, was Carlo Corzin, who who went on to become a um, uh, Oldham and Plymouth player and play for the Canadian national team as well. 
Cool. So you mentioned that sometimes you wish that you lived a little bit closer to Manchester. Do you not think that supporting a lower league slash non-league team makes it a little bit more interesting? Yeah, no, definitely. I was, I was, I was joking there. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I wouldn't change supporting Cambridge for the world. Even, even you know, the times we ended up in in, in the conference, you know, the, yeah. the times we we got stuffed every single week in our in our kind of multitude of relegation seasons. No, I, w- I wouldn't change any of that for the world. It's it's certainly a roller coaster journey, and I, I guess one one of the things I, I always think, you know, when people say, you know, it, it's it's the same same question every every fan of every League Two team gets, or every you know every kind yeah. of team below the Premier League gets. Like, you know, when you, you meet someone and you're like, oh, who do you support? And you're like, oh yeah, Cambridge. And you're like, oh, and who's your Premier League team? It's like, no, no, there's, there's no Premier League team. It, it makes the highs all that sweeter when you put up with the rubbish, I guess. And you know, if if that if that's a a, a one nil win to stay up or if that's a you know a, a, a decent result against a, a premier league team in the cup them highs are you know absolutely uncomparable i'm, I'm sure winning the premier league's fantastic i'm sure leicester fans will tell you that's amazing i'm sure winning the champions league's absolutely brilliant as well but you know you, you you're sharing that with a hundred thousand other people and you know it's, it's just nice to be able to to share your you know your wins, your your little victories with, with your kind of your fellow supporters, I suppose. What are the supporters like at Cambridge? Um, pre- pretty decent on the whole. Yeah, it's 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 a strange place, Cambridge. It's um, I mean, it's obviously a big university city, so most of the population is is students who who've come to come to the city with their allegiances already. You know, already sorted out. You know, they'll come to Cambridge and they'll support you know one of the big teams or one of the teams where they're from. So, you know, they they sometimes you'll get people come along. I mean, Nick Hornby famously did when he wrote Fever Pitch. There was a section there when he visited Cambridge and, and started watching Cambridge for a bit. So, you know, it, it does happen, but it, it's hard to retain fans. And it's, you know, it's even harder to retain them when, you know, when, when you're at this level and not, not massively successful, I guess. But um, no, our, our fans are fantastic. We've always been, we've always been very vocal. We've always travelled in, in good numbers considering, you know, to, to away games and, you know, for, you know, even even when we was at, at our worst in the conference, you know, there was still a, a steady band of steady band of fans kind of there at, at every game. And since since we've been back in the league, the last kind of seven seven or so seasons, that's that's only started to grow again. And we're starting to get decent numbers in in through the, or we were pre pandemic, starting to get decent numbers back in through the doors now. So obviously, we are still in the midst of this horrible national lockdown. But what is it like at the Abbey Abbey Stadium when fans are allowed in? It 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 can be. Like nowhere on earth. If if the abbey's full, the, the atmosphere is, is. It's only a small ground. It holds uh, just under nine thousand people. So you know, not 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 big by by any by any means. But when it's full, it it can just be absolutely absolutely incredible. You know, we have the, the Newmarket Road end, which is a, a small stand behind the goal hosts the most kind of the most vocal United fans and, and the ones that sing. You know, they they can lead the whole ground almost in. In singing, um, I, I think the last time we was anywhere close to close to it being a sellout was the season we went up. We hosted Man United at the Abbey in in a FA Cup fourth round game, and that was just just in, incredible. I I stood in a, a different place for that game. I stood in the South Habin, which is normally they normally close it off. Actually, it's just like a, a end of a terrace, or, or they give it give it over to away fans if they need to. But um, they they opened it up to home fans that day. And I, I stood there, so it was you know it was unusual watching the game from 
a different part of the ground, but it was just kind of coming through the little tunnel there onto the terrace and, you know, see, seeing these, you know, these, these superstar players warm up in front of you, but at the same time, just hearing this constant wall of noise from, you know, from the other, the other areas of the ground, it's just fantastic. But, you know, at the same time, it can also be a very, a very quiet place if, you know, if, if things aren't going well, it's, it's hard to kind of, it's hard to rouse the fans when the team are playing badly. And we've had, you know, we've had a little bit of that lately, but over the past kind of season or so, you know, we've got a really good kind of crowd of um, amount of younger fans in, you know, young, young fans that are supporting United and, you know, proud, proud to support United, which is, you know, which is fantastic to, to hear them kind of make a real effort. You know, you see flags and banners at, at most games and yeah, it's just, the atmosphere is brilliant. On, on on the whole, it's absolutely brilliant. Obviously, we all can't wait to get back into stadiums. Hopefully, it won't be too much longer. But how are you coping with not being able to go to the to the matches and watching games on iFollow? Yeah, okay, actually. I, I listened to a podcast you did with the Northampton fan, and yeah. he, he, he was saying he, he's watching more football now than, than ever before. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's the same, same for me. I mean, where I live at the moment is... It's only a short drive to the Abbey, so fortunately I, I was able to get there for the, I think, three games we had this season in the league when we was allowed in, which was brilliant. But yeah, it's it's great. Like I'd, I'd always kind of try and get to as many home games as possible. I, I actually bought my first season ticket in years this year just because um, just I've moved a little bit closer to the area, So um, although I've not really been able to use it. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd always try and get to as many home games as possible and, and the away games that were you know, either either local or you know, if I could rouse up enough mates to to kind of go, and it was you know, it was a good good big day out, we we'd do that. But yeah, I mean, this this season, I think I've watched every every single game we've had so far, and um, I mean, it, it helps that the team's been playing well, and uh, the, the club often kind of tweet out the the number of fans we get watching on on iFollow, which you know, are really good numbers. They obviously need that money. It's you know, it must be really hard trying to trying to make ends meet. Uh, a business that traditionally doesn't make ends meet, yeah. you know, when, when you, you you kind of lost your, you know, your, your main form of income. Yeah, I've I've, I've been watching that, but it's, it's definitely I I think for a lot a lot of fans maybe well, not a lot of fans, but so, so, some fans would would maybe not decide to spend an hour and a half of their Saturday watching Cambridge <laughs> if we weren't doing so so well. So yeah, it's definitely been a lot easier this season. You know, the iFollow service is, is, is really good. The, the commentators are good. The, the club themselves have kind of gone, gone to the effort of providing like pre-match, pre-match content where they'll interview the players on the walking, you know, from the car park to the changing rooms. They'll interview the manager before the game. They, they have a, 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 a pretty enthusiastic kind of match day presenter who's, who's really good and, you know, kind of gets everyone gets, yeah, it just, you know, it feels as, as close as you can get to, to kind of watching, you know, watching your team on Sky, which, which for us never really happens. In a way, it's kind of like you're more connected to the club in a pandemic, isn't it? It's kind of weird. It is, yeah. The, the club have been absolutely brilliant. I mean, United for, for for a long time haven't haven't been the best club at, at communicating with the fans and have, have maybe seen the fans as a little bit of a, an annoyance, I suppose. But over the last kind of three three years or so, we, we've kind of got a new new chairman in, a new new chief exec, and but they've just really really changed how how the club's perceived by by the fans and I mean 
to, to be honest with you, it's, it's done absolutely nothing wrong over, over the pandemic. As, as soon as the pandemic hit, they were open with the fans. You know, they, they, they kind of said, you know, this is what this is what's happening. You know, we're putting the, the, the playing staff are going on furlough. Um, you know, we, we're kind of voting for the, the leagues to end on this basis. They've set up, they, they've had members of the management team, members of the playing staff kind of calling, calling uh, local residents, vulnerable residents. They, they've been out delivering um, food parcels and things like that. They're working with communities, absolutely faultless. And um, e- even, uh, when was it, I kind of, around Christmas time, the, the manager phoned up, phoned up season ticket holders and just kind of thanked them for their support. And yeah, they're just, they're, they're going above and beyond what, what, what they need to really you know i think some some clubs maybe sometimes see fans as a bit of a cash cow you know right we've got their money get them in the ground get them out at the end that's it but yeah at united there, there is this real real connection with fans and it's, it's it's great to see it's really great to see i mean got a couple of fans organizations as well that are kind of doing doing really useful stuff around the ground you know trying trying to raise money where, where we can we've obviously got the under the abbey stand podcast and fanzine which you know it's it's a bit of a labor of love kind of producing a fanzine in especially in this climate um yeah. you know not not many clubs tend to have them some of the younger fans don't really kind of get get what they are don't really get fans in culture you know it was definitely a bigger thing earlier you know for, for slightly older fans so you know it's it, yeah we're, we're trying hard to kind of keep fans enthusiastic about the club the club are doing their best to do the same so yeah it's it's kind of good vibe around the place at the moment i was going to say it definitely seems like a good time to be a cambridge united fan what is some of the best moments you've experienced as a fan of the team for, for most people they'll probably say the kind of back-to-back promotions in the early 90s where we yeah. um where, where we went up under under John Beck and almost got into the Premier League. We got got to the playoffs there in uh, 1992 um, for the first season of the Premier League. But, but yeah, that was a little bit before my time. So, I mean, for me personally, we had a, a fantastic season in 1998-99 under Roy McFarland, who um, most people know as England defender, um, was also Bolton manager and um, I think played for Derby as well. He... he built a really great team in the, in the late 90s he, he played this 4-3-3 formation it was it was very attacking we had really exciting players we had John Taylor play for us he he was part of John Beck's team in the early 90s he was Dion Dublin's strike partner his, his career didn't quite go in the same direction as Dublin's but he, he still had a decent career around the leagues he played for Luton and Bradford he ended up back at the Abbey at the end of the 90s and and kind of spurred us on to to another promotion and that that season was was a brilliant season we finished second in the league we, we always seem to finish second in the league <laughs> yeah we came second that season Brentford went up as champions it all came down to the last game of the season at the Abbey which was absolutely full it, it was us versus Brentford and basically whoever whoever won I think I think we needed to win Brentford needed to draw would go up champions both teams were already promoted so it didn't really matter in the scheme of things but yeah we lost 1-0 to a Lloyd Arusu goal finished second that, that season also took us to to Hillsborough uh, in the League Cup Worthington Cup I think it was called at the time uh, where we beat Sheffield Wednesday 1-0 but they were a Premier League team at the side they had um, De Canio they had Carboni they had Des Walker Kevin Pressman you know they were just, it, was, it was a pretty decent team but they kind of held their own in Premier League for a few seasons and yeah we, we beat them 1-0 with a goal after after about four minutes from Trevor Benjamin who again? He's a, he's a big kind of Cambridge United legend. He's he's a very nomadic striker. He's played for he's probably played for about ninety of the ninety two league teams. Um, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's certainly been about a bit. But he started his career at Cambridge, and 
yeah, really, really kind of made his mark with, with that goal against Sheffield Wednesday. That that was when the early rounds were two-legged. So they, they come back to the Abbey maybe a week later, I guess. And we we drew one all in that game. We scored an own goal and then Trevor Benjamin scored a, scored a header, which set us up with a, another away game to Nottingham Forest in the next round of the city ground. And... Cambridge took three and a half to four thousand fans to that, and that probably doesn't sound sound like a lot for for some of your listeners who, who support bigger clubs. But you know that, that's basically what we were getting at home. You know that's our, our home gate went to an away game, yeah. and Nottingham Forest weren't weren't really expecting it. They they, they were in the Premier League at the time as well. It was a, a midweek game. They opened two turnstiles, and the game ended up being pushed back kind of fifteen minutes or so, just while they tried to get as many United fans as possible in, and it went. Kind of quite quickly downhill from there. We we were three 0 down after about fifty minutes or so, fifty sixty minutes, and our, our manager just kind of did did some. This uh, Roy McFarlane did did something kind of quite quite unexpected. I mean, you know, for, for most teams, when, when you get to that stage, you're getting three 0 down. You know, you're getting thumped by a by a team kind of three levels above you. You know, you, you tend to shut up shop, don't you? You know, you t- take yeah. off your striker, put on a defender, and stop yourself getting thrashed. He he put on another striker, <laughs> and <laughs> we we ended up drawing that game three all. We scored three goals in the last half an hour. One of them was a, a penalty from from John Taylor, club legend, and he uh, the game ended up going to penalties, which we went out on sadly. But it's it's strange. That's for for most Cambridge fans my age. That's that game is is in everyone's memory. Oh, do you remember when we went to Nottingham Forest and drew three all? It was it was brilliant. I mean, ultimately we lost that game on penalties. We didn't go any further in the competition, but it was. Yeah, it, it felt like there were fifty thousand Cambridge fans there. It was yeah, that was incredible. Other other kind of big big games I remember after after that season. So we got promoted that season. We we went into the um, uh, what's now League One, I suppose it was Division Two. We weren't really great. We we kind of you know we held held our own for a couple of seasons. I remember, I think the two thousand and one season we just about stayed up by the skin of our teeth and we went to Swansea the last game of the season at the, at the Vetch Field. It was you know it was one of those beautiful kind of May afternoons. Cambridge had taken, you know, probably a thousand thousand fans or so. They'd been relegated. They'd been relegated that season back to the third division. I mean, you know, when you look at them now, it's it's a little bit different. Um, yeah. And again, that was just you know a great afternoon. It was you know there was quite an atmosphere there. They they weren't very happy. We was very happy to be staying up. That that was a great game as well. More more recently than that, I, I guess. So we we spent nine years in the conference. One one of those years, we nearly went out of the conference. I think it was for two thousand. Six two thousand seven season. It would have been our, it would have been our second season in the conference. We we had no money. We'd we'd gone into administration the year we went out of the league. We we'd been literally saved by the skin of our teeth thanks to oh, Richard Caborn. Is it the MP? He was sports minister at the time. Kind of managed to yeah. He managed to kind of stop HMRC winding us up. We you know we didn't yeah. have a penny to our name, but so, somehow built this team that stayed in the conference for. For, well, for nine seasons in the end, but it stayed up its first season. The second season was was kind of more of the same. It was, you know, it was this team of essentially no hopers and journeymen, really. But we did have a guy called Robbie Simpson, who was a young lad, a local lad, and we we were really close to going out of the conference that season. It was it kind of came down to this one game, probably about three games from the end of the season at Aldershot. It's you know, it's it's a horrible place to go. It's a difficult place to go any time. You know they've got a very um, vociferous fan base to, yeah. to say the least. But that could have been the last game we ever played. We we took probably a thousand, twelve hundred fans down there, and and Robbie Simpson scored this goal, which just took the roof off, just 
absolutely took the roof off the place, and we, we ended up staying up that season. I think I think we won the next couple of games after that. So yeah, it was just you know we couldn't buy a win before that game, and then yeah, it was just oh to to look back on how it could have gone if we if we'd have lost that game now, you know, I don't think I'd be here talking to you anymore. It's um, it really was kind of dire dire times. Luckily, after that, we had um, Jimmy Quinn come in, the former Reading striker. He he came in. We also had Gary Brabin as well come in, who I think was Luton manager for a while. And we we had kind of two two much better seasons. We we kind of got got our house in order a little bit, and had two seasons that ended up with us getting to Wembley twice. Actually, in the playoff final, we we finished. I think we finished second both seasons because that's that's what we do. Yeah, we got got to got to the playoff final in uh, the new Wembley. It was yeah, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, just after it, it had opened. We we lost both those games, um, and that was kind of that was kind of gutting. It was um, you know, it was good days out until until the football starts, as, as is yeah. often the case. Of the, uh, the case, yeah. Of a lower league fan, isn't it? That was pretty gutting. And then then we just kind of carried on knocking around the conference. We didn't really look like challenging too much till the. 2013-2014 season, we, we got Richard Money in. He he won the European Cup at Liverpool, actually, in 1980, uh, I believe. Um, he, he was previous Luton manager as well. And he, yeah, he, he just kind of started in. It's funny, we was always a big team in the conference. There weren't many teams bigger than us, fan, fan base-wise. Yeah. But but money-wise, we, we were skint. I mean, we, we were down there, you know, one of the teams we were down there was, was Forest Green, who... You know, you look at them now, they're, they're kind of riding high in, in League Two like us. Um, you know, they, they were staying up by the skin of their teeth every season. Um, you know, but but they had the money. It's it's a really difficult league. It's, you know, it's a really difficult league. Only only two teams go up from it. And, you know, you you, you can kind of finish, you know, it's, it's depressing as hell to finish second and then <laughs> lose to a team that finished, you know, finished sixth. It's... Um, yeah, it's a really, really, really horrible league to, to get out of. But yeah, this 2013-2014 season, Richard Money came in. Our first game was against Halifax at, at the Abbey. Uh, we won 5-1 and um, I I was on my way to go to that. And um, I, I got, to, got to King's Cross. I was living in London at the time. I got to King's Cross and there was, um, there was some overrunning engineering works or, or something going on which, which meant I couldn't, couldn't go there. So I ended up kind of going back and watching it on... I think it was on Satanta Sports or BT Sport. Yeah. yeah, I ended up watching it and it was like, we looked really good. We looked like a really decent side. And that, that's when I thought, well, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. This could be, could be our season. And we, we had a superb run that season. We, we was top of the league for a long time. Luton ended up catching us. I mean, Luton were, were much like us, you know, kind of, I, I don't want to say far too big to be in the conference because that sounds really arrogant. But when, when you look at some of the other teams down there, yeah, you know, but, but there's still teams now that are far too big to be in the conference. We shouldn't be there, but you know that, that's how it is. It, you know, all it takes is one bad season at this level, and you know you're in real trouble. We, we ended up finishing second that season, uh, as, as per usual, and going to the playoffs again. This time we we had to beat Halifax in the semi-finals, which kind of brought, brought it around quite nicely. You know, after after freshening that first that first game of the season, we we ended up losing. 1-0 at Halifax and then beating them 2-0 at the Abbey uh, thanks to a couple of goals from Delano Sam York who's yeah forever forever a hero then we had Gateshead in, in the final and uh, you know the first two playoff finals we had in them conference years were against Torquay and Exeter both you know both big teams both both teams that kind of sh- should be in, in or about League 2 you know they're, mm. they're the same size to us Gateshead on the other hand I, I don't I don't want to sound disrespectful but it's like you know they, they 
they were basically a part-time team punching well above their weight. <laughs> and they've had some decent players. They had Marcus Madison, who's at Bolton now. He was at our rivals Peterborough for a long time. We made hard work of it at first, actually. We, we went 1-0 up just after half-time, thanks, thanks to Liam Hughes. Scored a header. And then um, about five, ten minutes after that, Ryan Donaldson whipped him his peach of a free kick. Uh, and we were 2-0 up. Then, then we conceded, so the ending was quite nervy. And then pro- probably in like the last minute of of injury time, the last minute of what what should have been like, you know, two minutes of injury time, our, our skipper Ian Miller went down and it, oh, he did his Achilles or something. He was he was lying in agony on the pitch for about ten minutes, but before they kind of found, finally managed to to take him off, and we then had to sit through like ten minutes of injury time. God, it was the most nervy time of my life. <laughs> they they were just throwing everything at us but they come really close and you know again I, I think you know if we hadn't gone up that season w- would we still be here now I, I really don't know luckily we did luckily yeah we, we won it 2-1 and it, it, it was fantastic and, and the next season we were back in the football league after nine years um, we, we won our first game that season against Plymouth 1-0 um, which, which was a great game the Abbey was I mean it probably wasn't full but it felt full you know it was just it's great to see, great to see like the Abbey rocking again after after all that time. That season we drew Man United in the FA Cup, uh, which game game I kind of mentioned earlier, and we drew nil nil with them uh, at the Abbey and forced a replay at Old Trafford. So yeah, that, that kind of that brought in quite a bit of money to the club, which they they then pretty much wasted actually <laughs> uh, so some of it I say wasted that's a little bit unfair you know so a lot of it went on on kind of clearing old debt um they, they refurbished the toilets is, is what everyone remembers them for you know we, <laughs> yeah we go, go to the toilet in my stainless steel urinal now rather than just kind of going in a, a hole in the floor um <laughs> and they, they did a bit of work like uh, updating the, the hospitality area of the club to, to try and bring in a little bit of money where, where they can so yeah that you know that that kind of I'd like to say that that set us up. It certainly puts us back on the map, you know, drawing nil nil with Man United. It wasn't a vintage Man United team, but you know they still had Van Persie, they still had Rooney, they had uh, Daily Blind, they had Rishwan Matter at the time. You know, still still a strong team, you know. But yeah, that was that was a great game. We went up to Old Trafford again, loads and loads of United fans. But, you know, this is a great thing about us is we we we, we will travel in number. If there's you know if there's a big game, it, it feels like half Cambridge is. Piling into coaches, piling, piling into trains to, to to get there, and you know we we definitely support our club when when we need it. We was never going to win at Old Trafford, you know. We we lost three nil. Um, I, I don't remember a huge amount about the game to be honest. It took me about took me about five hours to drive up there, and almost <laughs> as long to drive back. It was just kind of just felt like solid traffic and then motorway closures. It was um, yeah, but no, it was great. It was great. I wouldn't wouldn't change it for the world. Then, kind of since since then, it's just been a little bit mediocre, really. From the highs of that first season, we we've kind of had a few managers since then. Um, we, we had uh, Sean Derry. He was okay as a manager. His, his brand of football was boring. His brand of football was dreadful. You know, I guess it's kind of how Spurs fans feel about Mourinho now. He's, it was really <laughs> horrible football to watch. But we, you know, that was our highest finish in the league. You know, we finished ninth uh, in twenty sixteen. I think we finished eleventh the next season. It wasn't pretty to watch. Yeah, we, we were comfortable, we were safe. After that, we had Joe Dunn, he, he didn't do much, and then Colin Calderwood. And everyone was really excited about Colin Calderwood. Um, I, I know you, uh, the guy you spoke to from Northampton earlier speaks quite highly of him. You know, yeah. I think he got promoted there. I think he got promoted to Forest. 
he obviously has some good good connections at his former clubs at, at Tottenham. So we we was kind of yeah we we was pretty excited. Oh, I can't call Yeah, he should be decent. He'll, he'll get us up. He was dreadful. He was <laughs> oh my god. He was a dreadful dreadful manager. The the, the brand of football was rubbish. We he, he ended up getting sacked in January uh, January twenty twenty. We, we lost two two home games in a row at the Abbey four nil. One, one to Salford. Okay, you can kind of accept losing to Salford. They're, yeah. you know, they're a big team in the league. The other one was to Stevenage. Ste- Stevenage had barely won a game all season, you know. And they, yeah, they turned up at the Abbey and absolutely rolled us over 4-0. Oh, that was a real low point. <laughs> that was a real low point. Thankfully, he went. They brought in his assistant, Mark Bonner. Uh, most people don't know Mark Bonner. We, we didn't really know much of him. We knew he was an assistant of a club. We knew he'd been a youth coach of a club. He He's... 35 years old or so he he had no you know he's never had a playing career he's never played professionally and I think everyone was just a little bit underwhelmed by that yeah everyone was a bit yeah okay Mark Bonner he's cheap we'll see what he does he's been a revelation this season he's been he's been fantastic he's um he, he's open he's honest he's he's kind of quite un, not not unguarded in his interviews but he he gives you a good insight into the game he he, he talks a great game he's he's got us playing this really nice attacking brand of football we're scoring loads of goals you know we're, we're not winning every single game you know I don't think you know, well, I certainly didn't expect us to that, that's kind of the, the potted history of, of Cambridge United up and up until now it's been um, yeah like I said earlier a bit of a bit of a roller coaster I guess absolutely so we've discussed what it's like to be a fan now it's that point of the podcast where I test your knowledge I've been scouring the Wikipedia page for Cambridge and I've collated some questions together you're going to have five questions about Cambridge and five questions about football in the 92 in general how do you think you're going to do on this oh god I'm going to be embarrassed if I don't do well on my Cambridge ones um I'm going to say I'll get four out of five of the Cambridge ones and I'll be upset if I don't get three of the uh, 92 ones. Let's see how you do then. Question one. Cambridge's biggest league win was a 7-0 demolishing of which other EFL team in 2016? Uh, was it Morecambe? <laughs> it was Morecambe, wasn't yes. it? <laughs> Who is the all-time Premier League record appearance holder? All-time Premier League record appearance holder? I don't know. I was going to say Giggs. I was going to say Ryan Giggs. Gareth Who do you think... Gareth Barry, it's Gareth yeah, Barry. Yeah, I knew it was one of them. Where's yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Houlihan signed for Cambridge in July last year, but which A-League team did he join from? Uh, that was Newcastle Jets. It was. Yeah. What EFL team play their games at the Keep Moat Stadium? Uh, Doncaster. Yep. In May 1970, Cambridge played Chelsea in a friendly in what is still the club's record attendance at the Abbey Stadium, but what was the reason for the friendly? I think it was... um. Uh, for the floodlights, it was like the inaugural game for our new floodlights. It was, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Elton John was once chairman at which championship team? Uh, Watford. Yeah. Which former Cambridge player was the first person to score a goal in a Wembley playoff final? Uh, Dion Dublin. Yes. David Beckham went on loan to which EFL club from Manchester United to get some first team experience in the 94-95 season? Uh, it was Preston. Yeah. In the 2014 playoff final, which Cambridge won at Wembley 2-1, who was awarded Man of the Match? Oh, Ryan Donaldson? It was. And finally, referee Mike Dean is a fan of which League 2 team? He's a Tranmere fan. He is. So how do you think you did on that? Okay, yeah. You got 9 out of 10, which is the highest score we've had on all of our episodes so far, so well done. And there were some tough ones in there too. 
So, moving on to the current season then, it, you're right up there at the moment. It looks like you can keep it up. You'll either be right in the mix for the playoffs, if not automatic promotion. How's the season gone from your point of view? It's, I mean, it's gone better than anyone could ever have expected. We did a podcast, myself and the other the other lads that do under the Abbey Stand, we did one at the, um, at the start of the season when we kind of said, you know, what, what are our expectations for this season? And they, they were all pretty much mid-table maybe 10th if we're lucky yeah uh, as as that season's gone on we're now sitting here in uh, i think we're currently second in the league that you know that could obviously change quite quite quickly and and we're all thinking this is this season's gonna be a massive disappointment if we don't get promoted so it, it's it's funny how quickly things change yes yeah, so certainly certainly at the start of the season i i wasn't expecting very, very much at all really um yeah kind of just just survival not getting thrashed every week playing better football than we saw under Colin Calderwood. Mark Bonner's come in and he's, yeah, like, like I mentioned, he's just been a revelation. He's he's just really, you know, we, we shipped out some, quite quite a few players. We, we've bought in some. Uh, you mentioned Wes Houlihan in, in the quiz there. He, yeah. He, he's incredible, you know. Pe- people know him best from his time with time in Norwich and time with Republic of Ireland. And to you know, he's thirty-eight now, so you know he's not a young man anymore. But to see someone of that quality play for us, and just just to watch him, is is fantastic. It's you know we we've been blessed in the past. We've had kind of established players t- turn up from the past. We had um, where Clive Wilson, um, the former Spurs QPR left back, can't come to us in the early noughties. We had Luke Chadwick come back to us the year we the year we got promoted from a conference. Chadwick's a, a big Cambridge fan. He always has been. Obviously, obviously played for Man United, West Ham, Stoke, Norwich, uh, MK Dons, a few others. So yeah, we've we've had players like that, but Hulahan is just a different class. He, he's just absolutely incredible to see. Just his his movement, his positioning, how he is on the ball, how he his vision, I suppose. You know how he how he brings other players in, and that's that's just had this huge effect on the team. As well as him, you know, we we've got um we've got Greg Taylor, who's been at the club. Almost ten years. He he joined the season. We went up. Um, he, I, I I was a little bit unfair to Greg on on the podcast we did. I, I was a little bit unfair to him, but he's he's been absolutely solid this season. Absolutely, you know, super reliable. Really, you know, really great to watch. All his defensive partners have either been low knees or, or young players, and he's just you know he's handled them superbly. Absolutely superbly. We've also got you know I can't not mention Paul Mullen who has got 22 goals for us already this season he you know for a long time he was top scorer in in England I think he's been overtaken now but um yeah 22 goals already in the league this season it's if if he doesn't score in a game I'm you know I'm surprised and and you think you know when you see someone like that you think oh yeah they're just a poacher or you know they're just in the right place at the right time but he he also does loads of work off the ball His, his positioning is really good he's He's never really had like a great season before. Um, he, he was at Tranmere. He was at, I think he was at Swindon. Um, I, I think he's played elsewhere as well. But yeah, he's, he's never really been massively prolific. But but this season is just working for him. He works really well with Houlihan. He works really well with his strike partner Joe Ironside, who, you know, again is another player who's got got double figures. Which, you know, we we haven't really had kind of two players get double figures for a season, for. For years now, you know, yeah, I'm struggling to remember. I think even the season we went up, we we, we maybe had two players then. But um, this season's just been, we we've put in some really big results. Um, you know, we we beat Carlisle three 0 in our first game. We, we've beat Newport. All, all these teams are up there. We, we've had some slightly disappointing results as well. We 
we lost 4-1 to Salford in at the end of January but that, that's the only game this year we've conceded more than two goals so um, yeah it's just been it's, it's it's been a real high this season it's been a really really great season it's just it's, it's I'm really upset that we can't can't really be in the ground to watch it. We we was lucky that we got to see three games uh, in December uh, at the Abbey, but we lost two of those. So this season is Cambridge's seventh consecutive season in League Two. What do you think has made the difference this season in contrast to the others? Definitely Wes Houlihan. Like yeah. absolutely, absolutely Wes Houlihan. But but also Mark Bonner. You know, massive massive credit has to go to him. He's been he's been superb. He's you know he's a local lad. He's a Cambridge fan. You know, he's like I said, he's a young guy. He's got, you know, he's he's got his his dream job pretty much. You know, managing managing his local team, and it's it's going really well for him. He, you know, he seems to be getting the best out of all the players. He, he seems to be great at motivating them. Um, he, he's got an assistant, Gary Waddock, who's um, a, a lot more experienced as well. So you know, I think he he should probably get get a fair bit of the credit too. But yeah, it's just. It all seems to be clicking into place, really. That's um, that's how I can describe it. There's no real one thing. It is, you know, it is a real team effort from everyone. It's just everyone's just putting in a shift, and we've we've seen it in the past where we've had players who have maybe turned up for the paycheck or they've, um, you know, they, they've they've not really cared as much. But yeah. everyone in this team really seems to be, you know, 100% behind what what the club's trying to do and what what Mark Bonner's trying to do and and that is hopefully gets promoted at the end of the season. So if Cambridge do get promoted, are there any areas of the team that you'd like to see strengthened to kind of help you with that step up to League One football? If I'm honest, if I'm brutally honest, we'll, we'll need quite a bit of strengthening in, in League One. Where, you know, when you see some of the other teams that, that are there and, you know, the, the amount of money that gets spent by teams in League One. Um, I mean, our... I, I, don't, I don't want to single any anyone out, really. I mean, uh, we've kind of long long said our, our goalkeepers are both both decent but not outstanding. Paul, Paul Mullins seems to be kind of quite have his heart set on move, moving back up to the northeast where he's from. He's from Liverpool, so you know I think he, he left his kind of wife and child up there. So he he's only on a one year contract. He he seems you know he seems he seems really happy at, at the club, but he. Yeah, he's kind of said he'd, he'd like to move back at the end of the season. So, you know, if we lose him, that'll be a big blow. Um, our right-back, Kyle Noyle, is also out of contract at the end of the season. He He's he's incredible. He creates so much, but also does all the hard work defensively. Um, he, he, he reminds me a little bit of, of Trent Alexander-Arnold at Liverpool. That's, that's, that's a really kind of massive comparison to make to someone. <laughs> but, you know, they're, they're, they're really similar in, in their kind of style of play in that, you know, attacking kind of fullback position so yeah you know if we lose him at the end of the season that's, that's going to be another massive loss to, to to kind of replace and and of course like Wes Houlihan you know he's, he's 38 now he's, he's not going to keep doing it forever he seems happy he seems to be enjoying his football you know which is all we can ask we I, I guess at the end of the day we should just be thankful we've got him for this season at least and you yeah. know if we get another season out of him that, that'd be fantastic. So if you had to put together an all-time 11 for Cambridge, do you think many of the current players would make it into that 11? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I mean Wes Houlihan, definitely. He's he's incredible. Um, I think Kyle Noyle is, is certainly the best right-back I've, I've ever seen at, at the club. Paul, Paul Mullin, you know, his, his, his goals speak for themselves, really. Whether he'd make it in at the expense of some of the other strikers I've seen, I... I don't know. That's that's a really difficult one. We, we've had some great great players in, in our time. 
it, well, certainly in my time, you know, before you even go back to, to Dion Dublin and, and Steve Claridge yeah. before that, who, you know, I think would be in most people's all-time all time Cambridge 11s. We, we had Dave Kitson, who, who went on to have a kind of good good Premier League career at Reading, at uh, Stoke as well. He, he played in Premier League. We had, we had Martin Butler, who again went to Reading um, and, and scored a lot of goals for them. We had Trevor Benjamin, who... I think, yeah, I think he's still our, our record sale. We got one and a half million pounds for him from, from Leicester. Um, he, he went on to play play for them in the Premier League. He, he went on to play at Championship level and, and for, yeah, pretty much every other club you, you can you can think of. If you look at his Wikipedia page, it's, uh, it's pretty long. So, yeah, I mean, Mullins close. Ask me again at the end of the season, I think, on him. <laughs> <laughs> so at that part of the podcast now where I get you to pitch your team if you had to pitch your team to somebody who is fairly new to football how would you convince them that Cambridge is the team to support I would just say come along come along and, and watch us it's not always great but you know you you have to take the you have to take the highs with the lows um you know if, if you want to watch a team that's gonna gonna win every week yeah we're, we're probably not for you but if, if you're gonna watch you know if you want to come to a club that you know has a real a real kind of community ethos about it. Team that you know, a, t- a team that's playing well on the pitch is always a big help. But the the feel around the club in in general, how 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 it does, how how you feel as a fan, um, how how they make you feel as a fan when when they win. That's that's how I would that's how I would try and try and sell sell Cambridge. And you know, the ground is a it's a very old traditional ground. Um, it hasn't really had a huge huge amount of investment in it. It's you know, it's it's football how it used to be, I guess, if 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 that's how you um you know, if yeah, if you're a bit of a tradition traditionalist, I suppose it's um you know, we've we've still got kind of two two large terraces, um, proper floodlights on on big tall pylons which you can see from you know, see from miles around. They're they're apparently the tallest and tallest left in the country now. You know, most people have kind of gone to gone to the floodlight method. Yeah. But yeah, it's just a good it's just a good club, it's it's a good place to be. Fantastic. So just before we go then, you do have your own podcast under the Abbey Stand. Tell us a little bit about that and where we can find it. Yeah, so un- under the Abbey Stand is um there's there's five of us that do it, as as well as a podcast which is on all, all the usual places, uh, Spotify, Apple, Audio Boom, etc. We we also have a website which we try and keep up to date with kind of fairly regular content, be that, you know, match reports, match previews and just gen- general articles. Um you know, any any United fans you know can write for that. It's um, our, our way of trying to keep the club kind of in in the news, I suppose. You know, trying yeah. feed feed things out to to use fans and you know kind of keep them keep them coming back. I suppose we also produce a fanzine every now and again. We we managed to get one out this season. Yeah, it's kind of kind of quite difficult. We've had a lot to lot to write about, but um, you know we obviously haven't been able to really sell that at, at matches like like we used to. So you know that that's that's been tough, but. You know, again, we get a lot of a lot of decent writers for that, and we've been accused sometimes of being too negative. We've also been accused of being too positive. <laughs> so you know, we have to we have to try and strike strike the balance right, I guess, on on the podcast. But it's you know, it's really enjoyable. It's a good listen. The, the fans seem to like it, whether they agree with us or not. And you know, we we're not aiming to tell everyone what to think, but you know, we we yeah, we just like to hear hear everyone's views really, and try and get as many of those views out there as possible. It's you know, it's a lot different to how it used to be now and a, a lot of the kind of traditional football media is you know is all about Liverpool Arsenal Tottenham etc etc and you know there's people think there's not always a place for, for the smaller teams to be able to get their 
you know, to get get their news out there, to get yeah. you know, to get that discussion. You know, we have a, a radio phone in on on BBC Radio Cambridge after each match, and you know that that's good. But you know, I think that always attracts a certain kind of. You know, a, a certain kind of fan, generally someone phoned up, wanting to moan about something. And, you know, and that, that turns a lot of people off. I, you know, I can put up with it for about 15 minutes in the car. But, yeah, when, when you know, some of the people would phone into that, oh, my God. <laughs> and then they also talk about <laughs> Peterborough a lot as well. Because, yeah, sadly, we have to share share Radio Cambridge with, with them. And we don't like them very much. But um, they don't like us either. So, yeah, you know, we, ju- we just want, yeah, I guess our point is to, to try and be, you know, the, the space for the used fans on the web to read about United and, and get that, you know, that impartial kind of line that isn't isn't just the club's line. You know, we hold them to account when we need to. We we work with them when we need to. Um, you know, we like it like that. We like to work closely with them um, as, as best we can. But you know, we're, we're also there to make sure, you know, make sure the the kind of bad financial times we've had in the past don't happen again. And you know, we seem to have a good owner at the moment. And you know, he he seems he, he's a boyhood United fan. So yeah, fing, fingers crossed. We're not we're not needed to do that. Well, thank you very much, Owen, for joining us on this episode of the podcast and good luck to Cambridge United in their quest for promotion from League Two. Thank you. Thanks again to Owen for talking to us and, of course, thank you for listening. If you'd like to help me on my quest to speak to at least one fan from each of the teams in the 92 and talk all about your club, you can find us on Twitter at the92podcast or email us the92podcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the 92 podcast so that you don't miss an episode. And if you happen to be listening on Apple Podcasts, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving us a rating and a review. Next time, I'll be talking to another fan from another club in the 92. See you then.